Welcome to the Ferguson Library Podcast. In this episode, we bring you Casey Howland, a teacher, mother, and Stanford resident who also happens to be an award-worthy baker. She was the winner of the first season of The Great Chocolate Showdown, a Canadian confectionery competition you can see on Hulu and via the CW Network. Casey took her prize money and used it to get a bespoke cake-making business started right in her home. So prepare to reach for the snacks. Here's Casey Hallen. My name is Casey Hallen, and I am a teacher, a mother, and a baker. I teach art, mainly filmmaking, but I also do costume design, I do graphic design, drawing, I've done public speaking before, sort of all encompassing all arts, <laughs> different art forms. I went to Rhode Island School of Design. I focused on filmmaking. I teach at a private school in Westchester, New York, and I've been there, this is finishing up my 10th year. The school itself is pre-K through 12. I'm mainly in the high school, um, mainly film production. So students in uh, three different video courses are learning all different aspects of filmmaking and eventually spending a full year making one movie, sort of like an independent study, whatever they want to do. And then we put on some amazing, amazing shows that I get to make costumes for, which is really fun. We just had a student put on Star Trek the Musical which was a completely original piece, and it was the most wonderful, extravagant thing that I've ever seen. It was great. We lived in the Bronx, my husband and I and my, um, my daughter, and then moved out of the Bronx like right as everything was shutting down, we moved in with my parents in North Stamford, lived with them for a year. Um, and then I got pregnant with my second daughter and my mom was like, okay, so now you have to get out. <laughs> uh, and we managed to get really, really lucky and purchase a house in Stamford. So that's been really nice. COVID did scare us out of the Bronx. Just the idea of you know, going in even in a stairwell with our child and with us at that point there, you know, it was still scary for adults too. Um, And even things like going to the playground, stuff that we would do with her normally, we just didn't feel safe. So at least in Stamford, especially when my, where my parents live in North Stamford, we could just like kind of walk around the block and not see anybody. Um, There were all sorts of animals out that year. Like we saw baby snakes and turtles, a snapping turtle laid eggs right in the front yard and then hatched and we got to see all of that. So it was this whole little science lesson. It was great. (laughs) I definitely fell into the trap of like, oh, let's make sourdough. I did that. I 100% did that. But I also like oh, here I have all this time at home, let me make croissants, chocolate croissants from scratch. And normally I would be able to bring it into work into the employee lounges, which teachers are like hawks and they'll just, you know, dive in. Um, But now it was just like my parents and my husband and I eating everything. And um, on top of also being pregnant, so you had those cravings and it was, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. (laughs) Um, So yeah, being quarantined with a baker is probably not the best thing.
I've been baking for a really long time. My mom is not a baker, so I'm not entirely sure when I like really started, but I remember in middle school taking a home ec class and baking chocolate chip cookies and winning some kind of bake sale kind of thing. And then throughout high school, chocolate chip cookies was my thing. I would make it every Sunday night, bring it into school on Monday. So we would call it Cookie Monday. I'm pretty sure it's the only reason I passed chemistry. And um, I went to college and literally one of the first things I did in my dorm, in like the shared dorm kitchen, was make a pile of chocolate chip cookies and used that to try to find friends, which ended up working. I'm still friends with those people because everyone likes cookies. And eventually I had a relative who had young kids and asked if I would bake something. And I turned to YouTube, I taught myself a couple of different skills, and over the years I've gotten better and better, and then I got onto Great Chocolate Showdown, and it was just leaps and bounds better at that point, just from my short amount of time doing that show. Come and take a look, open up my chocolate box, I bet you was over at my house we were watching a different baking very popular baking show and um, she said I should apply to it and I did on a whim it was like a rainy day there was really not much else going on my kid was taking a nap and so I I applied like nothing's gonna happen for this like whatever and then they called me and there's this whole quiz that they give you and I got through the first round and and that was as far as it got but it it kind of gave me the motivation to try something else. And so I did a Google search for amateur baking competitions <laughs> and I found this one. It was its first season. There was no information about it. It wasn't even called Great Chocolate Showdown at the time. It was something, I think, Chocolate Masters or something. Um, and again, I applied thinking nothing's going to happen. And every step of the audition process, I was like, oh, you know, they've called me back. I'm doing the interview, whatever. But I'm not, I'm not going to get any further. And then before I knew it, I was flying out to Toronto. Um, and even my husband and I had spoken that, like, oh, I'll be there for, like, a week maybe, and then I'll come home. He was definitely not expecting to be single dad <laughs> for <laughs> three weeks. None of us on the show had ever tempered chocolate before. We'd used chocolate as an ingredient, but in terms of, like, a decorative element, none of us had ever had any experience with chocolate. Um, so they were go purposely going for people who didn't have any experience with chocolate and obviously all home bakers. So there was that element of needing to kind of learn and learn very quickly. We were on days off when we weren't shooting. We were exhausted because we would be up sometimes baking from like 6.30 a.m. would be call time. So we'd have to be downstairs, get driven over to the studio, hair, makeup, um, and then you would be baking two challenges in one day sometimes, and then uh, before you know it, it was 1 a.m., and you'd be returning back to the hotel. <laughs> so you're watching these episodes, which even if it's an hour-long episode, things move so quickly because of editing. 
Um, and you're filming. Not only are you, is the bake, you know, two hours, three hours real time, but then you're standing around for judging, which takes like hours to do that. And you're standing there, big smile on your face. Um, and there's all these things that don't ultimately end up making it to the edit, but you were there for it. And so it, it's also fun watching it after and seeing like what got cut, what didn't. And it was interesting as a filmmaker too, getting that side oh, yeah. of things. So um, I definitely had some enjoyment afterwards showing my classes the episodes and being like oh watch out for this like there's a cool edit that's coming up or explaining a little bit of the behind the scenes breaking down the magic a little bit but mm -hmm. they wanted to make sure we each stood out in a particular way they wanted to make sure that viewers can very easily identify each of us so like one person could have a braid another person couldn't for instance and they decided to have me be this 1950s looking mom, which I am a mom, so that was cool. And then they asked me, they're like, how do you feel about a 1950s aesthetic? And I love costuming, I love cosplay, I was totally down for it. And a lot of the dresses I wore were mine. So it was just, they were giving me the hairdo, which I don't even own a hair straightener, so that was amazing. So Purdy's was the main sponsor when it aired on Food Network Canada. But what was really weird watching it on the CW was they cut out all of the references to Purdy's. So there were two, um, uh, two competitions in the show that were actually sponsored, like specifically sponsored by Purdy's and head chocolatier Rachel McKinley came out and talked a little bit about it. Um, one was actually when I had immunity, which was the sweet Georgia Brown reimagine. Um, and I forget what the prize was for that one. I think it was just clout. <laughs> But then the second one, which was episode seven, um, reimagining a Purdy's chocolate bar, the winner actually got to fly to Vancouver to the Purdy's factory and design a chocolate bar that was then sold throughout Canada. And I won that. So that was really cool. <laughs> and you can still buy that chocolate bar on the website. I don't get any royalties from it, but um, there's a little commercial that I helped sh shoot that's, that's on the website. So that's pretty neat. Hmm. Plus, I got to sample a lot of chocolate, and they still send me a lot of chocolate. So, yeah, that was pretty great. Delicious. Forbidden donuts. Biting through the sugar-encrusted surface. The check came during the height of COVID, so the exchange rate was amazing. I used the money for, well, I got a brand new iPhone, which was really exciting. Um, and then I used a chunk of the money to do the courses that I need to do to get the cottage food license and then the certification to be able to get that. I had been baking for friends and family in New York, but because of those cottage food laws, I couldn't sell my cakes. I couldn't do it professionally. So it was just for family and friends. Mm -hmm. When I first started the business, I was posting a lot on Facebook mom groups, um, and I was getting a lot from that. Things actually really picked up during COVID because I think people started to be more, uh, people were more willing to pay more money for custom, like really beautiful, unique cakes because they weren't paying for big celebrations. So it was like a way to make their celebrations feel special 
without having this huge gathering. And then you get repeat customers and um, word of mouth. I've also connected with a lot of other cottage food bakers from the area. And so we pass along business to each other. If I get it, something I can't do it or something comes up, you know, you get sick, whatever things happen, I now have other people that I can turn to that will take business from each other, will help each other out, um, building up this idea of community over competition. So That's good. I get a lot of requests for like character cakes, which I'm trying to move away from. I'm, I'm trying to find my own style in terms of what's like been really big on the internet that I'm seeing. Um, stripe cakes seem to be out right now. And I'm seeing this 2D effect happen, which I've tried before and it's really fun where you make a 3D cake look two dimensional by outlining literally every aspect of the cake. And it's really cool. <laughs> it's kind of nice because you get to zone out a little bit. And that's one of the things I love about cake decorating is I really find it's my moment of zen. Um, and that's part of why I like doing it as a side hustle versus a full-time job. I can turn down things if, I, if the subject doesn't interest me or doesn't interest my style or um, you know, if I need to take a break creatively. But usually when I take something on, it's just this moment of being able to just sit and relax and just kind of paint with this cake. I really love cakes that are based on tapestries. I think that's really beautiful. I have a bunch of mural art that I've, you know, sort of saved um, for inspiration, but it's always a little dangerous if you're taking inspiration from a cake directly um, because then it's easy to make a copy. Um, even if you're not doing it on purpose. So I try to not as much as possible. And even clients will send me a picture of a cake that they like. And I always say, I can make something, you know, inspired by, it's going to be in my style. I'm not going to do a direct copy. Cake-wise, one of my favorites is my chocolate cake, obviously. That's how I won Great Chocolate Showdown. Um, and I will pair it with a brownie filling and, and um, a handmade salted caramel in there, toasted pecans for a little bit of crunch. You don't want it all like moist and gooey. And then a Swiss meringue buttercream exterior. I never use fondant, um, so all of my cakes are designed with either full-on chocolate, sometimes candy melts, and then this Swiss meringue buttercream, which even if you think you don't like buttercreams, you need to try the Swiss meringue buttercream. It's less sweet, um, doesn't give you that toothache, doesn't coat your mouth in a weird way like some grocery store cakes do. I don't think I could ever get sick of chocolate. Um, it's partially why I'm also on Weight Watchers. Um, I love it. And I also find different and fun things to do with chocolate. And it's actually one of the reasons why I like making cakes for other people, because I'll get to play with chocolate, bake with it, but I don't always eat it. So I get to send it away. <laughs> it gets out of my house. <laughs> if you would like to commission a cake from Casey, you can find her at kcehbakes.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y-H-B-A-K-E-S.com. You can see her on The Great Chocolate Showdown through Hulu and The CW. And, of course, we are here at the Ferguson Library at fergusonlibrary.org. Thanks for listening.